0: hello dear listeners welcome to a realm where business insights meet the personal touch I'm your host malika and you just tune into the exciting world of suit up hi today I'm joined by Jack James who was a winner in the commercial awareness competition hosted by the aspiring solicitors in 2022 hi Jack
1: I'm Malika how are we
0: good how are you
1: I'm doing very well, doing very well and enjoying, you know, life. I'm waiting to start the SQE. So yeah.
0: <laughs> That's good to hear. Um, So could you please tell us more about, you know, the commercial awareness competition, what it is and why you decided to join it?
1: Uh, yeah, so the commercial awareness competition is a great competition that is hosted by aspiring solicitors and sponsored by uh, five firms Baker McKenzie, Deckert, uh, Scadden, uh, Mayor Brown, and BCLP.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the aim of the competition is really to help students and graduates uh, who aspire to be solicitors to ensure that they're able to really improve on that, you know, that buzzword that we all hear commercial awareness um, mm-hmm. overall, which is You know, it encompasses a lot and it is a lot of things, but it's something, you know, that's important for you to get the overall uh, training contract that we're all kind of looking to get really. Probably say the competition's real aim is for that, but also just to help you. You know, the skills that you learn can also help in assessor centres and also help just down the road in terms of improving your knowledge and understanding of business concepts and just commercial concepts in general.
0: And so through the competition, you secured a training contract with SCADN, right?
1: yep i am a scatter Congrats
0: on that thank you yeah so uh i mean to begin what what is commercial awareness you know as in general as a concept
1: um yeah no commercial awareness i would definitely say is a Big concept. Uh, I think even me now, myself, I'm still kind of learning every day. You can say i want a competition, but I don't feel like I'm you know, still commercially aware enough, I guess. Uh, to me, commercial awareness is just generally having an understanding of commercial news and how that affects law firms and their clients, really. Understanding what ideas of whether you know, the interest rate is going up higher, how does that affect the client? How does that affect the client's business? And how can you help a client uh, resolve the issues that they're going through and mitigate their risks overall, um, to me?
0: Mm-hmm. And so, you know, would you say it would be one of the main skills to have for solicitors and aspiring solicitors?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely one of the, for me anyway, for me, one of the top three skills I'd definitely say, especially alone you're applying for, uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. training contracts, it's commercial awareness, you know, you've got to have those communication skills, you know, analytical skills, which are really important. Um, I think those are, for me, some of the top skills that you need to have generally, but I would say, yeah, commercial awareness is something that it is a, it is, as I say, a buzzword a bit, but it is something that you do generally need when you're going to walk into a law firm and have a greater understanding of how things actually are going to affect you and affect your clients overall, um, have an understanding.
0: Okay, thank you. And so you were not a law student, am I right? And you yeah. didn't do a business degree or an economics degree. So- then I assume you didn't come across a lot of commercial news and, and commercial analysis in your degree. So then how did you get it to that level where you were the winner of the competition and, you know, st- still continue to develop it? How did you improve your commercial awareness?
1: Yeah, not completely. Um, yeah, it's weird. I was non-law and it's always weird, it's always weird now thinking about it that I just never thought about law, didn't do any business. So I was just always was out of the blue, I guess, in a lot of senses about the, just generally, how the commercial world works and having a good understanding of it. I think the mm-hmm. thing that you've got to really push through and uh, understand from my perspective is, especially as a non-law student, is that you are not going to probably know the legal aspects, but I'd say law students are kind of in the same boat a lot of times. <laughs> They're not the same... Commercial aspects and commercial topics as well, as much as we don't. So we're all kind of at an even playing playing field, I'd say. I think for me, uh, I think when I did my, well, I think one of my first applications I ever did, I got an interview, and I remember going into the interview and them asking, they asking like, "Oh, talk about article you read in the FT," and I literally never read the FT before, and I was like, "Oh wow, <laughs> the FT." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, this is a bad start." Yeah, and I walked in, I walked out. of That and I was like, "Okay, wow, yeah." have no idea, I need to find out what the FT is, started reading it. I got the, um. I remember I, when I was walking back, I got one of those, um the, the newspaper versions of the FT, a long newspaper aspect. And I was like, oh, God, do you, have to, do you have to read this every day to be a lawyer? I was like, oh, this is not going to be enjoyable. Um, and from there, I kind of realised, oh, okay, I need to figure out, you know, just general principles and understandings. And yeah. I think as you start to read the FT, and you start to read, I'd say, stuff around your interest, you know, for me, that was I started reading uh, simple stuff along the lines of literally sports, sports teams, like reading about uh, the NFL or the Premier League and licensing deals about how licensing deals work for the Premier League and investments from, you know, American private equity firms in different leagues, whether that be the Italian League, the Spanish League. And then mm-hmm. from there, you're OK, this is interesting. And you start to figure out just general knowledge and that from there it kind of becomes a little crevice you can open up and then that leads to you learning about what private equity is yeah. from reading about uh the italian leagues and the spanish leagues understanding mm-hmm. what private equity firms are understand what their business plans are and how they kind of move forward and progress with investments and looking at who they're investing in why they're investing what the aim of their investments are mm-hmm. and from there you kind of build up and build the knowledge i'd always say when you're looking at commercial awareness I really start with something that's interesting to you don't ever Try and start with something that you have no idea about. You'll forget about it. You literally, you'll literally, you read and be like, next week someone will ask you and be like, yeah, I don't remember that. So from my perspective, it's always really important to look at something that you're really interested in, something that you want to get to know more about because then it becomes much easier for you. And then that can kind of build build be a building block to mm-hmm. create knowledge and getting better understanding. Because a lot of stuff, to me anyway, um, when you look at commercial awareness, a lot of it is linked to other things. So other stories coming to stories and then it kind of becomes like a little diagram in your head or a, or a web. So, um, yeah, I think that would probably be the best way to go about it. Um, from my perspective, it was the FT, you know, um, it was going on the news sites and looking around, whether that would be like Bloomberg or looking to, you know, generally like there are good sites now, which I think there's like, if one called like the elite law network, they do quite good stuff. There's another site called Commaware, which has some nice stories out as well. I think these sites are very helpful just to get a grasp of it. I mean, if you don't like that, you can always listen to podcasts. There's always great podcasts out now about commercial awareness and great reading books as well. You know, um, Jake Schroger, the Commercial mm-hmm. Academy, they always have good commercial awareness books or Get to Know the City, which is a, a classic. Everyone always reads, I feel like, everyone, if you're, if you're a spy lawyer, should read that. I feel like that's sets a good uh bar of what the city is and uh what people actually do in the city because mm-hmm. no one tells you what, you know, people actually do. Um, yeah, that's
2: true.
1: Yeah, we're all, we're all trying to figure out what we actually do for a living. Um but Yeah, no, I think those are great areas and great books and just stuff you can look at in order to help you get that just general basis of what it is the city does, what it is Moise do, because that basis knowledge will then help you to what I call, like, pass the bloomberg test which is uh i call it the bloomberg test which is like i had like friends who were in banking and when i listened to bloomberg for the first time i literally had no idea what anyone was saying
2: oh yeah me too (laughs)
1: bloomberg surveillance i was like what is going on what are they talking about they were like oh the fed's raising the rates what's basis points like (laughs) 0.5 percent? they're like basis points wow okay (laughs) cool that's something you just learn when you start to figure out that and you start to listen to bloomberg for instance and you're like oh wow i actually understand you start to feel like you have a that's why i call the bloomberg test if you can listen to that and be like oh i kind of know what they're saying Mm -hmm. you're reaching a level of good commercial awareness that you can get to know what's going on and also know what's happening overall
0: thank you i really like your advice especially about you know finding something that you're interested in and you know um basing your starting your journey from that um because i think it's quite overwhelming for a lot of people to start learning about these concepts and i can relate because i i think only started reading financial times like two months ago or a month ago and i had to search up every like third word word that i saw and so you said that you know by uh, starting with something that you find interesting and then building off of that you start reading about more stuff and creating that web so do you have a structure of putting those blocks together or, you know, something, the notes that you write down so you don't forget and the terminology? Because to me, a problem that I face is that I sometimes forget the terms that I read mm-hmm. or it's hard for me to connect the dots between the different stories and keep track of them. So what would you you know, um, recommend structure wise?
1: oh completely um that's always happened to me as well i always yeah. look a practice area approach just because law firms are in practice areas it makes sense yeah if i'm talking about something in private equity i'm going to have private equity terminology with private equity lawyers If i'm talking about something yeah. at a or if i'm talking about i don't know a case or a class action suit i'm going to be talking about litigation so most stories can align with a practice area or a need you know you're looking at, I don't know, some some aspects of private equity, you know, have finance in them. So you're better to put them in finance because, you know, it's a financing deal or looking at a financing aspect of a private equity deal, for instance. Mm -hmm. And terminology related to that should probably go under finance because, you know, that could be leveraged finance, for instance, under the finance aspect of, you know, banking and finance, for instance. But I think when you start to look at the stories through a prism of a lawyer in a specific practice area, it becomes a bit easier than looking overall at the whole of it. Just because I think when you can look at it from that perspective, you can kind of, I think in my head, more, more realistically justify the type of work that lawyers do in that area and get an understanding of what type of work you will enjoy. Do you know what I mean? Because when you can figure out the type of work that each, you know, department does and what type of stories are involved and what type of trends are happening in within that department, it makes it a lot easier for you to understand. Okay this is something that I'm quite interested in. I actually like reading about this or learning about this and I might mm-hmm. be interested in keeping up to date in what's happening. And that kind of gives you an idea to really be more, I'd say, enthusiastic when you're going into interviews and talking about, okay, i read this story in finance and I think this is a story that I really enjoyed because of this aspect and this aspect. And overall, I'm interested in finance because I think that I'd be interested in doing that type of work. And yeah. so I always say don't try and, when you do commercial ways, please don't try and start something you have no interest in because it is... It's a, tough, it's a tough game to go when you do
2: that. Tough game to go.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, And also, you mentioned that you have to show your enthusiasm and also talk, be able to talk about um, the stuff you read. And so in order to do that, you have to understand what you're reading. <laughs> and I think some people might struggle with actually approaching those articles and, you know, approaching their reading and under, understanding. And so do you have a strategy or you know questions that you ask yourself while you're reading articles or hearing the news rather than just you know consuming the information you actually have to analyze it and so how would you uh, approach the analysis
1: of course no with the uh, with analysis I've always looked at it from the perspective of what say I get a story and I figure out I'll be like why is this important you know mm. what's the overall commercial context that's ha- that this is happening in it's a story, and I'm reading, um, and I'm literally reading a story. But I don't know a company buying another company, for instance. Like, what's the commercial context? Are they competitors? Is are they entering into a new market? Do they want to expand themselves. Are they looking for a growth strategy? Like, what what's the aim of the company and why are they doing it? What's the greater commercial aspects? What other factors will we have to look at? You know, if you can even look from a perspective of practice area for each, like how could a how could a practice area help? You know. If you look at, say, for instance, in a deal, you could say the competition team could help. There could be issues of, um, might be a monopolistic buy, you know, there could be entering, they could literally be entering and buying a competitor and taking up too much market share, you know, mm-hmm. um, from a litigation standpoint, there could be some cases arising that they don't know about that the buyer is having to look at when they're looking at the seller. The seller could have some cases arising or there could be some litigation issues generally. Um, even the IP team, there could be IP and patents that they might need to transfer and to move across. To the new company there's various factors you can look i think for me when i was analyzing stuff it was always important for me to actually bring it back to law in a sense just because when you look at a deal you can look at it from a business perspective why is this important in the commercial context i think i've always taught, tried to bring it back. in my opinion anyway try to bring it back to law because it would always make you think of a lot thinking the way a lawyer would think because as a result as a lawyer you are kind of having to look through everything through a legal framework so yeah. You can always help a client, but the way that I think you would add value as a lawyer is always looking through a legal framework. How can I help you through a legal framework to reach your goals and understanding of what you want to do and what you're setting out to do? There's one company they want to purchase. Say company A wants to purchase company B. You know that you're representing company A and they want to purchase company B. Your role as a lawyer is to help them to jump through the, jump through hoops and try and figure out ways and say, Oh, this is an issue, but we can resolve the issue through this. Rather than say this is the issue, you can't do it. You're always trying to find solutions to issues that are arising. You're also trying to manage the risk while you're doing that. You know, if mm-hmm. there is a, you know, say for instance, there is a litigation claim, for instance, between the two, one company B that's actually you're looking to purchase. How can you sort the issue out? Maybe they go through a process of looking through and saying, okay, you'll pay us back for that. You know, like that's stuff that you'll have to do as a lawyer because that makes it a lot easier for you to understand how you would react. As a lawyer, I think that's where a lot of students will look at from our perspective anyway, will look at, okay, great. This is what's happening in the story, but they'll never bring it back to what you're actually going to be doing as a lawyer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think when you look at through that perspective, it becomes a bit easier. The other aspect of it is literally looking at it from a business perspective of why is this important?
2: And yeah.
1: While looking at, okay, what does this mean to the market? What does this mean in terms of if this companies buying this other company and you represent a company who's a competitor of the company a buying company b how can you help company b maintain their, maintain a competitive advantage Do they need to go into that market area do they need to stop buying or do they need to retreat from certain areas you're looking at the business from that company as well at the end of the day lawyers are advisors they are advising people so the aim is to help and advise pretty much a company in the best way that you can really There are two aspects to it, and it is one from a legal side and one from a business perspective. But I think the legal side, for me, is kind of more undervalued by students and, like, graduates and just people
2: who are trying to gain commercial awareness overall.
0: Hmm, I see. Obviously, if you're going to be a solicitor, you have to prioritise the legal side, but also know the business side. And then just a question about, you know, when you do approach that analysis from either perspective – there's kind of two aspects to it. So then there would be like the bigger picture and then the smaller details. So, you know, like figures and terminology and stuff like that. And so, what do you start from? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, do you start?
1: Little rising stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially with the commercial awareness competition, the, the first few rounds are very technical. And so, would you recommend going with a bigger picture? First, and then dive into the details, or you know, remember the details first.
1: I probably would start with the the details first for the first couple of rounds, more than the bigger picture. That is generally a question based off where you're starting from. Mm. So, if you're someone who is at a decent level of commercial awareness, like if I asked you like, "What does the FCA mean?" and you could mm-hmm. answer that, then I'd be like, "Okay, she, you know, you know enough." I would start with those type of questions, even just like basic questions. I mean. We're gonna ask you like who's the Chancellor or the executor? Would you know that? Who's that? Do you get what I'm trying to say? Those are basic questions. Those are stuff that you should kind of just know, in my opinion, off the top of your head, basically, in terms of just basic knowledge of basic information in my head. But if you don't know that and you're starting from the very bottom, you've gotta yeah. just start to read up and build your knowledge of who is who and what do these how how do these have an effect? Because governments have an effect on companies, companies that therefore governments and regulatory bodies have an effect on law firms. So yeah. having understanding of you know why who's the bank of england what do they actually do do you get what i mean because they are a body onto themselves that cannot be guided by governments they literally are a body that is independent
2: mm-hmm. so
1: looking at the fed in america for instance the ecb in europe like these are all bodies that manage interest rates they manage the money flowing into markets and coming out of the markets issue bonds and set buyback bonds and do you get what i'm trying to say those are things that you would start to build up gradually as you start to gain knowledge Mm-hmm. Right? So from my perspective, it is kind of an answer of where are you starting from?
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: Like, do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. There is a need for certain knowledge because when you start to read the FT like you mentioned before and you're having to look at certain words again, you know the first one you read the FT and you're like, the governor of the Bank of England. I'm like, okay, what's the Bank of England? <laughs>
2: do you
1: get what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. FCA and the CMA. What, what's the, F- who's the FCA? What do they do? What's a competition? The market authority? Who is that? So you're having to continue to go. that's why I say the smaller you know details are much more important at the bottom stage, so you can actually know who people are when you're talking about them
0: and then this is more just about you know your approach and for the preparation for the commercial awareness competition uh you know for anybody interested first of all, uh how much in advance did you start preparing, and then how much would you read a day?
2: That's a good question
1: actually. <laughs> After me come out, ah, uh, well, I think I started prepping in like September, August, but I kind of took the competition, not at the backbone or anything, but like, I always knew that you'd have to be commercially aware for mm. interviews and stuff for the cycle. You know, every cycle, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I got to get back to the commercial awareness and start reading and gaining knowledge." And I think I probably started in around September time and just started to build it up and get a good knowledge of everything. But I did think I had like a decent amount because I like prioritized it the last cycle that i'd done to make sure i knew just basic stuff and had like a decent like level of knowledge
2: mm-hmm.
1: i think it was something that was really important for me just to get to know what was happening but yeah i'd say with regards to reading um i would always maybe like when i was going say to work when i was going to uni, i always read a couple of articles a day on the ft and i'd just read those and i was kind of interested and i through, and read maybe three or four. Also always listen to the, you know, the classic FT uh, news podcast in the morning, actually walking through a station or like literally on getting on the train to listen to. Always that type of stuff I would read. I'd also do it in the morning. I never did it evening. I was never gonna, uh, <laughs> yeah, I always did it in the morning. Like, when I'm fresh in the morning. Yeah, no, a couple of stories a day. I think when you get into like competitions say for AS, like they'll give topics out as well for like what you need to know. That kind of narrows it down as well for you to for reading as well, which is nice, I guess. So, yeah, no, I would definitely recommend reading a couple of stories a day. But I think more than anything, I think with commercial awareness, it's just consistency. Mm. That's like a thing. You know, like you might have one day you read stuff and the next day, oh, I forgot I was at uni. Or, you just forget. So, yeah, I think with commercial awareness, 100%, it would just be being consistent is the number one thing. Because if you do it every day, You'll start mm. to pick up friends in the news of what's happening and start to pick up things that are happening in the market overall. And that will allow you to have a greater understanding of what's happening. And that will maybe move you into a point where you'll actually start to have an opinion about stuff. Do you know what I mean? That's when yeah. you start a bit more confidence when you actually know what you're talking about and you can kind of back it up. Yeah.
0: I mean, I agree with the consistency point because um, I noticed that when I started reading it maybe 20 minutes a day, I saw kind of the same, not the same stories, but continuations of the same stories. And then you kind of track that, that issue or that deal, and then you kind of start forming an opinion on it. But I think it's hard, you know, I think it's hard to do that every single day and kind of have that, you know, information overflow.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is, it is, Um, I think, but even when you're talking, you really understand, feel like that it is something that grows like you start to read more and more and it becomes like, oh, wow, like this is the same story as reading back then. Oh, I was right. Oh, that's quite cool. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's interesting overall, I'd say. Like that becomes a part, the consistency keeps you entertained, I'd say.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, well, this is a question I wanted to ask. I I guess it would have been better a bit earlier, but what sources would you recommend to read those articles and to get that um, information?
1: Yeah, no, um, FT, and no, I'm always going to be an FT guy. Uh, I'm always a big fan. Bloomberg is quite good, um, for like short, short areas and short stories as well. Yeah. In terms of news. I also like the site called Commerware, which is always good. I always enjoyed that site. Uh, there's one called The Elite Law Network, which is quite new, which I used to read as well, which I've started reading from them. They're quite new, which I like. Um, I found them
2: on LinkedIn actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I've I've actually they're quite new but I started reading them. They're quite interesting actually. TCLA always has some good uh series as well. Um they have those like uh, commercial awareness uh they do like commercial awareness stories on the email and the newsletter, which is all uh, it comes out in like two weeks. They have some good stories I always, you know, listen to because they always have seem to have a good idea of like I would say law firms as a business, which I think we don't think about as much as well. Looking at law firms as actual businesses, which is um, you know, because a lot of them post their, you know, their company house and they post their revenue. That's quite interesting, I always say. Also with podcasts, there's so many. Um The Lawyer does a good podcast that I listen to sometimes, uh, FT News Briefing. Uh, mm. Some of the podcasts, you know, there's quite a few I listen to. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a couple more which are, which are quite good as well, I'd say, that are like a good podcast that I would listen to. I think that from there, you know, I always listen to private equity deals, uh, Behind the Money is always good.
0: Mm-hmm
1: economist was good and the bottom line is a good one because it gives you ideas of sectors
0: okay yeah thank you i mean that's a good recommendation and i do read like half of those so i guess i'm on track <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I, I no, you're on track I, I did say that to you you know you <laughs> like, read the same stuff you're not you're not reading anything different to me i've not yeah. got the not got any source that's
0: different <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think at this point, I wanted to do like a transition into the, uh, into the deep dive that we we're going to do today. And so you wanted to talk about the Subway deal, Rourke Capital, right? Yeah, oh, I think
1: Rourke Capital, that deal was very interesting generally. Um, yeah, no, so Rourke is a private equity firm based in America and they purchased, a, well, they struck a deal to basically buy Subway Which Mm -hmm. is a private held US train. So like Subway, you know, we all know Subway. They're not they're actually not on the Stock Exchange. So they're private. They're a private company. Which is actually private one that's owned around the world, you know, like everyone knows Subway. They've got about thirty seven thousand stores worldwide. It already had a quite a big brand name and brand appeal, but the only thing I think that was missing with that deal was it's a family business, but it was kind of suffering after the pandemic and looking back at it, the numbers have been falling down quite drastically. But, you know, I think that's because they probably didn't have the setup that I think a lot of other companies had in terms of the Uber Eats, the Deliveroo. So they weren't in the same position, I would say, after that during looking at COVID. So I think that's probably one of the reasons Raw was able to actually probably buy them for quite cheap when you think about it. Mm -hmm. Because for 9 billion for quite a, a huge amount of shops is quite a good price, I would say. Yeah. But I think the reason why came inter- that was interesting to me is what we're currently in now. You know, interest rates are extremely high. Yeah, if I'd have any mean, very soon in September to figure out who whether they're raising and so are the Bank of England. You're looking at the story, the thing that's important to you is to think about what's happening in the wider commercial context. You're looking at the reasons why is we're able to buy Subway firstly, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Subway's probably suffered from COVID, right? Most companies did. And even the way you look at, for instance, the way Subway's up is quite... a intimate type of shops they're never really like huge they're always kind of you walk in everyone stands by one another right yeah and, like, some if i have to walk into a shop and i'm waiting for that long i'm like i'm, kind of I'm gonna go somewhere else
0: is that one of the like factors that
1: influence? yeah that's a factor that could influence them
0: oh that's interesting
1: i have to think about and even you're taking in your own knowledge of shops and being there you're like oh wow yeah thinking about that, that could actually be an issue Then you're looking at that perspective. You're like, okay, that's going to have a huge effect on them. From another business perspective, you're looking at, okay, Subway in the past recently had loads of stories coming out about how bad their bread was. It's not healthy. Subway kind of promotes himself on its kind of alternative fast food where it's like, yeah, we kind of are healthier than, you know, McDonald's and Burger King. If I'm going to be getting the similar calories, I might as well go to them. So that's another factor probably that had, you know, a downturn in business. And I think the reason why Rock was even able to really pick them up is because of the market. Interest rates are extremely high. Big PE firms probably don't see the value in going and being, you know what, let's buy Subway. I mean, they've got the dry powder, which is, you know, for anyone who doesn't know what dry powder is, dry powder is just unspent capital. They have enough money. So even when you're looking at the deal, so once you look at that and you say the the deal, then you try and find information about the deal. The deal's $9 billion, right? By financing most of it, right? I think, you know, which PE firms normally do, but I think a lot of the financing is going between Morgan Stanley and also through, oh, who else? Morgan Stanley, Barclays, JP Morgan, and like a few other banks, right? Seneca loan is basically when it's loads of banks coming together and giving in the money, right? So from that perspective, you're looking like, okay, it's a high interest rate market. Banks are actually all these banks want to lend them the money, but why do they want to lend them the money? You've got to really look at that. For instance, right? If interest rates are so high and like a lot of banks right now don't want their money, they're like, yeah, they're pulling mortgages, they're pulling loads of financial products off the market. So why do they want to lend to the raw You have to look at that, go inside deeper then and try and figure out what's happening. You can now see, oh, okay, basically what they have, they have an earnout clause in the financing. The earnout clause means that if EBITDA, which is you know. Gosh. yeah earnings before interest tax uh a depreciation depreciation,
0: depreciation.
1: yeah EBITDA. Yeah, love that uh, <laughs>
0: you're
1: looking at that and they have it are oh, not clause in it which meaning if that ebitda so all of those you know hit if it hits they have to pay out the full five billion now that's a great clause for a bank's perspective they're like yeah great if you don't meet these targets you get a money back in pool lovely if say for instance even if they do that and have to pay the back what they could do is Mm -hmm. put in a securitization
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right so a securitization is basically when they'll put they will literally put in all the franchise fees so they've got make say they make i don't know revenue say they make loads of money from just franchises right franchise fees right yeah they can put all of that in to say put pull them all together say in a little fund right yeah that fund can then be sold to investors, right? And they can use the money and raise five billion for that fund and literally pay back the bank's earnout fee.
2: Mm.
1: Okay. Right? Yeah. If they if it meets, right? And then they can give it and put and make the new investors pay them for that. They mm-hmm. pay the banks back. And then the investors will now take all of the franchise fees out of the business to mm-hmm. get their money back with interest. Okay. So that's how another way. So even though they're paying and they've got the earnout clause, they still yeah. got way to get around it so that's a good way of having a good understanding of why the deal is important yeah that so that's like yeah. when i talk about the technical side of business and then looking at law, but the the, the legal aspect of it, there's banking teams that have to do that on the regular those securitization yeah. and look at all of those assets pull them together and mm-hmm. to ensure that they're actually regulated because they are highly securitization is really regulated and that's like a very <laughs> highly regulated so that is what i'm talking about like the deeper level of understanding of stuff right yeah and even if you go into deep and then you try and figure out about the company they've already bought food brands they do buy food brands for quite a lot i think they bought there's they bought the dunkin donuts brand
0: yeah and they also have jimmy john's i think and jimmy it's Jones
1: like a, and yeah. yeah so they're in the food business they know food and beverages and so that's like Another aspect: Why is Rock bought Subway? They already know the food business. They know food. They know food and merchandise, So they know it. They're like, okay, let's go into the food brands. They Subway. They know it's a good business. They know they can probably make money out of it down the road. They're probably very good investors, and they understand what's going to happen and why they want to do it. So <laughs> that last bit was sorry. It was very technical. Um, um, no,
0: no, it's good. <laughs>
1: so, but that's probably one of the reasons why, so when I talk about commercial awareness, that's like. An understanding of what it is and what I would look at. Looking at why is it important from a commercial context? Why mm-hmm. is it important from Subway's context? Why is Subway selling right? And then looking at why is Rock buying? But also, what are they set? How are they setting up the deal? Why, like, why are they able to work and be able to actually buy Subway in this current market? It's a weird market. People don't want to buy stuff. You know, P's dropped. Everything's dropping. Right? More of a debt market right now. Going to the debt for going for debt. So that's probably a something that's happening and it continues to happen overall, so mm-hmm. just looking at that together and being, okay, wow, this is interesting, and looking overall at that trend and figuring out what's happening overall, that's probably the best way of commercial awareness,
0: and I apologize if that was too technical. No, no, it was good, actually. It, it gave me a really good, you know, representation of how your thought process works and how you can go deeper and deeper and deeper. Um so yeah, and also how you just start with like a bigger picture and then you kind of go deeper into the details. Yeah, I think uh, we covered everything that I wanted to talk about, and then you already mentioned all the resources kind of in my, in our conversation. So I will just include them in the description and in the LinkedIn post. Yeah, so I think it would be a wrap for the episode. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Jack, for coming. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed speaking to you and yeah please give it a listen after I edit and publish it
1: <laughs> should be good no I'm looking forward to it It'd be weird and hear my own voice though. Um, <laughs> I'll look forward to that but it should be cool thank you you're welcome
0: big thanks to everybody listening and just remember that your thoughts and feedback mean the world to me. So if you're eager to contribute to future episodes, please leave a review or drop your suggestions for upcoming episodes. Join the SuitUp community on LinkedIn where your insights can shape the future of our discussions. And before you go, remember that Jack's curated list of recommendations will be waiting for you in the episode description and on our LinkedIn page. So until next time, keep those ambitions high, dream higher, and remember, The journey to success is always better when you suit up.